Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the bootcamp, back at it again, Bob. I hope you're ready for the next episode as we jump in. Man, as last week's aired, you were hanging out in beautiful seaside Florida and sending me, hopefully, a bunch of Truman Show picks and uh, and paraphernalia and and buying me about five hundred dollars worth of souvenirs. And wow, you're such a good friend. I mean, really, you're you're a great friend. And I'm really grateful for you. But for this week's, while this one airs, I will be finishing up a few days hanging out with my family in Arkansas Mm -hmm. and jumping into all the things that we have there with family up in Arkansas and on my way back to Florida. Well, I I love vacation time, and I think it's an important part of just your yearly routine. And I know one of our challenges is replanters struggle to get away and have vacation. So I don't want to I don't want to burden you guys that are not vacationing, but I do want to challenge you, man. Like, take some time to get away. Like, yeah. you know, get out in the country, walk along a stream, hit a state campground. You know, do something uh, to get away to refresh yourself because we all know that ministry is hard. Yeah, and you really benefit physically and mentally and spiritually from from getting away and watching a sunset or you know checking out nature or playing with your kids in a park doing things. So I, I think that was one of the things, Jimbo. That looking back on it, I didn't play enough. Yeah, in those years of replanting, because I was so freaking consumed about just the weight of replanting. Yeah, it's so, it so hard, and it just if you if you can't get away and feel some refreshment and renewal, man, you're going to be challenged. So, man, please do that. Yeah, some pressure. I mean, a lot of that pressure comes from these expectations of the scorecards that we've we've created that that aren't necessarily the right scorecards. We've been talking about that kind of in different ways over the last couple of weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, we just talked about in summer in general, how to focus on mobilizing your members missionally rather than just trying to keep as many people in attendance as you can over the summer. And then last week, we jumped into these maxims that you've been working on and been so well received as we've been uh, having the opportunity to travel around and speak some. This has been one of the presentations you've been doing. And we talked about discerning and adapting versus doubling down or diving deep into discouragement and how to do that. We talked about leading paradigmatic change versus reinvigorating old old programs and changing the culture of the church. And then lastly, we talked about empowering and equipping for ministry versus just exhausting yourself doing everything, living at the end of the liver line. And so part of, as we think about these things, one of the ways we have to, uh, I think, even just work to keep our spirits up and work to keep our efforts aligned in the right direction is how we define success and what is the scorecard. Talk to you a little bit, Bob, about like how to think about the scorecard as we're doing these things in a church with minimal minimal resources, you know, average to just below or just above average size church, which what we said is like right at about 80% of Southern Baptist churches are, are below 100. Mm-hmm. And so if you're below 100, you're right in that 80 percentile mark of all Southern Baptist churches. So for those churches, how do we measure knowing that we're heading the right direction? Yeah, so the typical measurements of buildings, budgets, worship attendance, most normative side churches, they have their building and it's a smaller building. It could be a really nice building, but might need to be updated. So they they you know deal with that, but then what we typically look at Jimbo is the summer and 
as we're talking about the summer, there's a summer slump in attendance and in resources, right? Yeah. And we said this, I think a couple of podcasts ago, usually after mother's day, you kind of hit a summer slump until yeah. like a, the weekend before school or the week after school. Yeah. Right. And so I just want to say, guys, just know that you're not alone in that. Mm. And if we're consistently basing our, our value or the success of our ministry on those external scorecards in the summer, we're going to be challenged. So I think what I would say is, is we're talking about making some shifts in the summer, making some adjustments. What I would do, Jimbo, is start counting actions rather than counting results or measuring actions rather than counting results. And so I think that's one fundamental maxim or shift that we need to make. And so here's what I mean by that. Measuring actions. Our our good friend, Jason Lawson, a fantastic guy, he posted a picture of something their church is doing in terms of counting gospel conversations. Got out Jason Lawson, one of our favorite listeners. Yeah, yeah. So he built this ping pong thing, ping pong ball holder, and he measured if you had a gospel conversation with somebody, you put a white ping pong ball in. If you have a gospel conversation and it leads to somebody coming to faith in Christ, you put an orange ping pong ball in. And if they have a gospel conversation that leads to a commitment to Christ and leads to a baptism, they put a blue ping pong ball in his holder. And I don't know where he's got it where you know set up in his church but i would imagine setting that sucker up in the lobby or something in your worship yeah. center you know as people walking in i think everybody's going to get excited about that well what yeah. are you measuring you're measuring activity mm-hmm. that would and will lead unto fruit and so um what i would simply say is if you can measure actions that are taking place in individuals lives and waiting for those actions to lead to results as God is the one who brings harvest and maturity and all those things, I think you're in a better place. So measuring actions, like, okay, how many people do we have engaging in a prayer journey this uh, summer, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, Jimbo, I don't know about your prayer life, but most of the time I pray about things for a while before they really come into reality. Yeah. Right? And so um, if if my prayer life was only, I'm just going to pray about this and I'm going to hope that it happens. Like as soon as I say, amen, it should happen. <laughs> I'm going to be frustrated. Yeah. But how many people do we have concertedly praying together about a particular matter? Um, how many people do we have serving the community? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what if you just set aside instead of Monday visitation night, why don't you make it like Monday, make this place beautiful night and, um, you go around your community, particularly in the areas that maybe have trash or, you know, weeds and stuff like, and you just put on, you get church t-shirts and, you know, you get refreshments and then you just go attack a corner and you do that on, on Mondays, right? When you have a low visitation number, right? Yeah. And here's the thing, you're going to get more people who are going to mow a yard and pick up trash than knock on somebody's door in visitation. Yeah. Well, and, and just shift some, so measure some actions like that. And rather than counting the results. And so I think what we what we can see, and you see this in people who are trying to get on a health program or, you know, have you seen, Jimbo, have you seen the uh, like couch to 5K yeah. programs like people will do? Like I just sit on the couch and eat chips and ding-dongs all the time and just watch, you know, reruns of Little House on the Prairie or ESPN <laughs> Center or whatever. Well, they say, okay, instead of doing that, why don't you go walk for 30 minutes? Then why don't you run for 10 minutes? You know, I don't know what the progression is, but I've, I've just well established that I only run if I'm afraid or in danger, yeah. right? I run for fun. Or if we're trying to catch our plane in Detroit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do that. 
but what are they, they're trying to get them to change small actions. So if we could get our churches to change some small actions, I think that would be good. So I love what um, Reggie McNeil is a writer that talks about this all the time in missional Renaissance and some others. He's, he says, and here's just some, here's just some missional, here are some missional action things that he talks about um, and counting them. Like how many neighbors have I gotten to know by name in the past month? How many coworkers have I gotten to know on a deeper level? How many significant conversations have I had in my favorite third place, which is like coffee shop or, you know, public place? How many people have I had in my home this past month? How many meals have I shared with people outside my church family this week? And then how many times have I intentionally sought to be a blessing to someone? Now, these are just a handful of ones that he suggests. And we'll we'll put that uh, blog article that he's written about how do you become missional. So what if we just started cataloging that? And then what I, what I think is ultimately those things are going to lead towards results. Yeah. And it's so important. So let's shift our minds from just counting the baptisms to counting the actions that lead to conversations that potentially lead to people coming to faith, being baptized and, and joining your church. And figure out how to celebrate the, even the smallest baby steps, mm-hmm. man. I think uh, we've talked about this several times on this podcast before, man, if you could every Sunday figure out one thing to celebrate, where where God is at work in your life as a family, uh, we when we drive to our church, there's a bridge we have to go across called the Buckman Bridge, which I was scared to death of when I moved here. I'm not scared of bridges, but Bob, I swear, in the first six months I moved to Jacksonville, like ten people I think died on the Buckman Bridge. <laughs> and like, like every time I saw the news, it was like somebody died on the Buckman Bridge, and I was like, I don't ever want to drive on the Buckman Bridge. I'm no longer scared of it, but I still don't like driving on it. So even the timing of it to change my heart, right as we hit the Buckman Bridge, we all stop. Whatever we were talking about or doing or singing, which is typically show tunes in, in my minivan these days because all my kids have gotten into theater. And we so we stop doing that. And I say, hey, everybody, all right, how have you seen God at work in your life over the last week? Mm-hmm. And everybody has to share. And it usually takes about the time for us to get across the bridge. And then one of us prays for each other. And we found this as a family. It's been such a great way to every week highlight, how have you seen God at work in your life this week? And so as you're measuring these questions that Bob's talking about, man, figure out how do you in your service just pick one story? And, and it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, it can literally be the smallest little step. And that's even a good thing sometimes because that lets other people know that, hey, this is something I could actually do. When you start celebrating something small, everybody that hears that goes, oh, that's something worth celebrating. And it's something that's attainable. I could do that. Yeah, I can do that small thing. So counting those things, kind of the input goals versus output goals, leading versus lagging that we've talked about before. I love that, Bob. I think that's great. So one of the things we'll be challenged with is determining what what those actions are. Because first of all, we've got to communicate them. We have to discover them. We have to communicate them. And I think what you said is very important. We've got to celebrate them. Yeah. Right. So if I think you are looking for, now I'll just, I'll do this because this, this is just really, this is easy for me to do. And then you can make the application to your church situation. But Jimbo, I, I will take on a Saturday because I want to see something happen in my yard, in my home. And we've been traveling so much that I have to be very strategic about my Saturdays because I have limited time limited resources. And so I will say this Saturday, I'm going to repair this section of fence. Mm -hmm. And so I will then say, okay, in order to repair this section of fence, what do I need to do? Well, I need to clear the weeds. I need to remove the damaged wood. I need to assess what are the, what, what do I need to buy at Home Depot? And uh, usually Jimbo, I try to fit in a new tool purchase for every home project. There you go. 
But unfortunately, I'm old enough to where I, I'm the old guy at church where everybody can come and say, hey, do you have this tool? And I'm that guy now, right? So, so I've, I've well moved beyond that. But I'll say, okay, do I need new boards? And do I need new wood fence screws? That sort of thing. So I kind of think through that strategically. Like here's, in my mind, here's the, what the fence is going to look like. What are all the steps that I need to take in order to get that fence in place? Then I go get the resources and then I set aside the time and then I wake up early and we do it, right? So in the same way, you might say, how do I create more leaders in the church? Mm-hmm. Well, what kinds of leaders do we need yeah. and where do we need them, right? What kinds of qualities do these leaders need in these particular places? What kinds of infrastructure do they need to, to be able to lead? Do we have to background check? I mean, all these sorts of things. What kind of heart and mind and spirit and posture do I want to see these leaders have, you know, in, in their lives? So then you would you would reverse engineer, go back and do that. And then if you also say, what would it take for our church to be actually more focused on the community and aware of the community? What could we do? Like, I, I would love to see our church know the council, know the teachers, know the superintendent, know the coaches, you know, whatever. All right. Well, what's it going to take to do that? Or yeah. I would like to see our people equipped to have conversations in coffee shops and in restaurants and, and, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, what would it take to help our people do that? Right. So then what you can do is you can start equipping them to fulfill that vision, but to participate and be able to, to engage in those actions that would lead unto to that vision. Right. So, so I think it's oftentimes easier for us to, to say and declare a vision. Here's, we want our church to be evangelistically engaged. All right, great. What are we doing to help them do that? Yeah. Right. How are we creating a posture in them to do that? So it's one thing to, to even to read the great commission passage, but how do I develop a people that are sensitive to the Lord's command to do that? How do I address their fears? How do, how do we develop a passion for lost people? All those sorts of things. And then counting, you know, the activity unto that vision as actionable steps. So we went on a prayer walk. Great. Let's talk about that. We went in a conversation, we went in a coffee shop and then our action was to have a conversation with a stranger about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and you celebrate that. Well, you know, Bob talked to these guys about why they wear overalls all the time. And so, you know, Hey, they had a great conversation about that. Right. Something like that. So I think if we can break it down in chunks like that, realize that we're making steps towards an ultimate vision or ultimate goal. Yeah. I think that's helpful. And so let's measure and celebrate those actions, right? Like we, we've had 15 people that have had 15 conversations this week with somebody they didn't know. Can we celebrate that? Cause we realized, and then paint the bigger picture because we realized that talking to strangers ultimately leads to having significant conversations. Yeah, this is huge. I think, you know, the idea of what is this big goal? How do we reverse engineer that and think through the input goals that produce the output goals? Daniel M. does a great job of talking about that mm-hmm. in No Silver Bullets, as well as the, I think my favorite thing that Daniel M. says in that whole book is when we think about discipleship, when we think about transformation, and that's transformation, discipling our people, transforming the community, it's about direction, not destination. And so that allows you, that frees you up to think in this kind of one step at a time, like what are the what are the input goals that are helping us get to transformation? How do we measure those? How do we how do we discern what those are? How do we measure those and how do we celebrate those so that it continues on? Another thing we've talked about not only is how do how do we look at the scorecard and how do we measure success, but most of these ideas do not all, but a lot of these ideas do require some amount of funding, personnel. You know, we need support. We need support. 
And so one of the things I love you you have on your list here of seven things is is how to support the ministry in multiple ways versus just single stream support of congregational giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are we are really entering into a season, Jimbo, I think, where resourcing mission and ministry is going to require more than just tithes and offerings. Now, I here, here here's I want to be careful as I say this, right? Because the the ministry and the mission of the church is always supported by the people of God. Yeah. As the work of God in the hearts of the people of God as they give towards the mission and ministry, it helps fund what you're going to do, right? But here's one of the things we see in certain settings is we have churches that have maybe in decline and they're coming back. They have a monster facility. They have a lot of reserves. Well, it's important and imperative that they release those reserves towards mission and ministry. That's sometimes hard for them to do, right? But the other thing too is we find some some churches that in addition to the faithful giving of their uh, of their body, they need help outside of that and resource outside of that. So sometimes you have churches partnering with churches, sometimes denominations, all those sorts of things. So we see all that kind of thing happen too. But ultimately what what we have been given a lot of times is churches have been given resources in the terms of property and facilities that they don't that they could leverage towards economic generation and community blessing and those sorts of things. And so we're coming into a time where where the majority of our pastors or we've been in a time a long time and perhaps we've always been this way where the majority of our pastors in our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, are bivocational mm. or co-vocational, right? 33,000 plus, I think, is the estimates, the last time I heard the estimates. And so we've got individuals who are called by God to do ministry in a context that God has placed them, and they have a daytime job or a, a you know some kind of income stream that supports them as they lead the people of God, right? We see that missionaries were always funded in some way by the body, but also outside the body by other congregations. So... The idea that a church, a local church meeting in a particular context can receive resources from outside that context or within that context, in addition to the giving, the regular giving of the people is is shown in the scriptures, right? So I just want to set that stage that we see yeah. that. But here's what we're seeing happen in some different places, and I really like this. Some churches that only use their property on you know one or two times a week are finding ways to utilize their property to bless the community and then also receiving income from that use, whether it's a school group or a community organization or counselors or piano teachers or, you know, just all kinds of things. Or if they have a community coffee shop or if they lease their their athletic fields or something like that, there are multiple ways that they can generate income that are given then towards that income is used for mission and ministry, right? So I think we're coming into a season where we need multiple streams of income to support mission and ministry in the local context. So as churches decline, they lose resources, which creates a burden for mission and ministry. As we see this changing in generations that's coming about, I think they estimate in 2025, we're going to see a lot of the the folks who have supported churches through their faithful sacrificial gifts for a a long time through the boomer generation, they're going to pass away. And the next generations don't give quite at that level. So we're going to yeah. see that. So we, we may have shifting issues of legality, Jimbo, where some churches are going to be facing, you know, greater challenges as to their to their uh, exemptions from property tax and those sorts of things. If that happens, man, what are we going to do? Right. We're, we're going to have a we're going to have to figure some things out. So I want to recommend a resource. There's a, a guy named Mark Demaz who's written a book called The Coming Revolution in Church Economics. We'll put it on the post, the blog post for the show notes. 
And I think he outlines some really important things about how churches can think about finances in ways that are not just how do we get money to to keep doing what we've always been doing. Right. His point is, how can we use what God has given us to resource mission and ministry in order to continue to proclaim the gospel here, but also to bless the community in which God has called us to do ministry? Yeah. Right. I love some of the things that he talks about in his book. And I'm leaning into this, trying to figure this out. And we're having more conversations about it all the time. No, I think this is key, man. It's the financial aspects of it are hard. We cannot let it become a source of stress and anxiety. I mean, the Matthew 6.33 principle is very true, right? That we pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, you know, I love it that, you know, what is it? Clifton always quotes Blackaby on, God will always resource his plans for his church, but he's under no obligation, nor will he resource your plans for his church. But but there's also the idea of being being wise and stewarding, like we had uh, Rick Wheeler on several weeks ago to talk about, and stewarding the opportunities that God has given us, thinking strategically, thinking wisely, and not just to fund everything we've all been doing, like you said, but to figure out how to advance the mission that God has given us. Yeah, so I, I, I think in addition to thinking through additional streams of, of income. Here's what I want to say. There's some fundamental things that um, are important. First is the faithful instruction on biblical giving. Like, let's just not abandon that, mm-hmm. right? And I was talking with a pastor just yesterday, and he said, you know, we've had a couple dips in giving from season to season. He said, we're in a good place now. But he goes, I just struggle to be the pastor that does the money sermon, mm-hmm. right? And here's what I want to say. Do the money sermon. Yeah. Just, just do it, Yeah, right? You're going to have to do it. Discipleship and assistance in developing financial stewardship, like just, you know, help people figure that out and and offer it to a supportive way, right? And don't, don't, don't only have the attitude of, I just got to get people to figure their finances out so they can fund our ministry, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're talking about money, I mean, you you, yeah. you can't shift into the salesman yeah. mode. You're, you're talking about it as a pastor because it's a biblical topic, because Jesus talks about it, because the Bible talks about it, because this is something we have to figure out how to navigate. And I think... I think we ought there ought to be something said about it every week, and not just hey, here's where you give your offering. Yeah, I think every every time you mention your offering is an opportunity to talk about why you would ever even mention your offering in the first place. Yes, don't just mention every week, hey, we're passing the plate, or here's where you give at the you know the box on the way out, or give online, or like don't just do that. That's this that's just as bad as being a salesman. If you're going to talk about money, talk about it biblically. Talk about why we do it. Yeah. And this is all discipleship. Yeah. I, and there's some real simple ways you can do it and sprinkle it in every week in different ways that doesn't feel like it's a big thing. You can say, hey, you know what? We're supported. Our church is supported by the generous gifts and and a sacrificial offering of our people. And one of the things we've been able to do is this. Right. And you could talk about that. Right. And you could talk about how you partner with an international, somebody local, maybe somebody regional. You could even highlight something within the church body that that is taken care of through faithful gifts and support. So you guys noticed a new some new decorations on the way in by the coffee area. And I just want to say thank you guys for giving regularly to help us update our facilities to welcome people and communicate the gospel. And so help people see where their gifts go and to communicate that in strategic ways. And then I think the spiritual nature of it too is that God God gives us resources and he asks us to give back to him as an act of worship. And so that's why we're doing it. 
And it also reminds us that that our security is not in what we own, but in the God who provides for us not only our salvation, but what we need to live. Right. And so do those things on a regular basis. And I think you, that's those are ways that you can practically talk about giving that help people connect it with a greater thing than your church just needs money to operate. Yeah. One of the ways I always like to talk about it is, you know, the Bible says that we can't serve two masters, right? That, you know, it, mm-hmm. there's always this idea that money becomes this temptation to put our security in that and our hope in that rather than Jesus. And one of the ways we get to practice on a regular basis, sacrificing that idol and putting it in its place is through giving to the church. I'll even say that's what I've told people is the reason that I don't do automated giving for my tithe. Mm -hmm. You can set it up automated. And if you want to do that, that's fine. For me, I actually am grateful for the opportunity every time I get a paycheck where I have to calculate it and I have to make the conscious decision. I'm going to give this money out of my pocket to the church. And here's why I'm doing it, because it's an act Mm -hmm. of worship, because it it makes sure that money stays in its right place in my heart and in my mind, and that Jesus stays in the right place in my mind and my heart. And so for me, I don't get the benefit of that if I automate it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody writes checks anymore. Yeah. So we still do it online, but we we don't automate it. We do it automatically online. Hey, come back next week, and we're going to finish up this conversation about maxims and scorecards on this material that Bob has written. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.